This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and the new edition of the We Spin Recipes podcast. And uh, today I've got uh, Ross Barber as a guest on the show. Uh, he's a founder of uh, Electric Kiwi and a graphic designer and a music business professional. Hello, Ross. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? Someone fine. So I want to apologize to a listener for my voice. Uh, this week has been really weird in terms of my condition. But anyway, it's really cool to have this conversation with you. I think it's the first time we actually talk via Skype. Is it correct? Yeah, I mean, we've spoken uh, via social media before, but we've not spoken on Skype. I, yeah, no, I don't think we've spoken on Skype before. Because I think it's been like years since we've been uh, talking on Twitter occasionally, not too often, but still. So it's really cool to have the chance to chat with you. And uh, do you mind providing a little bit of a background on yourself and your project? Yeah, sure. So I run a company called Electric Kiwi. We focus on web design for bands and musicians. Um, and we've been running for, I would say, probably about three years or so now. And it kind of started when I graduated from university. I studied popular music performance, thinking that I wanted to go down like the singer-songwriter kind of performer route. But throughout my course, I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I became more interested in the promotion and marketing side of things. But when I graduated and, and I couldn't find a job because there weren't any jobs, I decided that I just needed to kind of get as much experience and make things happen for myself. So I did a few you know, projects for free for a couple of people and, and I made some connections on Twitter because I joined Twitter relatively early on and I saw that as a way of connecting with people that I probably wouldn't have connected with otherwise. So I got a little bit of, um, you know, a few contacts through there and I started doing some work for some artists there and then they started to refer some of their friends to me and I was able to do that on the side. So I was working full time and I was also doing an internship. I was doing a lot of stuff all at once. But then the freelance stuff kind of started to pick up and I got to a point where I felt I was busy enough that I could leave my full time job and kind of go full time doing the web design stuff. And then... Um, It was very scary for a while, in some ways it still is, but it's been worth it. I'm just really lucky that I can do this full-time. Yeah, I can hear you there well. It, sometimes it can be scary, but it's very well worth it. And your story is uh, pretty inspiring. I mean, for many musicians, it's uh, the same dilemma of going uh, on becoming professional musicians when they only earn a little bit here and there and making this decision can be tough for all entrepreneurs. So that's cool. And can you maybe mention some of the most recent and most interesting projects you worked with in terms of website design, for example? Yeah, okay. Oh, I need to think. Hang <laughs> on, let me look at my portfolio because like, sometimes I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I'm linking to your website and to your portfolio in the show notes. So, uh, I mean, everyone can check your stuff out, but maybe just some, not necessarily like big names, but maybe some interesting, unusual projects or something recent. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've done, I've, most of my work tends to be for, it's all over the place. So there's not really too many sort of local ones, but one of the local projects I did recently was for a, a music venue here in Glasgow called Bar Block. Um, that was quite an interesting one for me because I hadn't really done anything for a venue before. So that was quite interesting. I did a website for a music accountant as well called a growth group. They're based in, in the US. I can't remember exactly where, but um, so theirs is quite interesting. Again, because it was a little bit different from what I normally do, because it's mostly band and musician sites, um, it can be a bit of a challenge when I take on a project that's for someone that's still music related, but not a musician themselves. Um, so those two kind of stand out to me as being a little bit different and, and interesting. 
Cool. And I work with a lot of different artists and really as the musicians, they're the clients I really like to work with the most. Um, especially if I really like genuinely enjoy their music as well. It gets me really excited and then I wake up in the morning and can't wait to, you know, to start working on, on their project. Cool, cool, yeah. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions on uh, websites for artists and uh, ask you to provide maybe some tips. But uh, while we are discussing your projects, do you mind talking a bit about this new podcast that you just launched, as I know? Yes, I'm very excited about this. So I launched a podcast Um, a couple of weeks ago with someone who's a client of mine and is now a friend and still a client, but, but I would consider him more a friend, uh, Marcio Novelli from Canada. Um, we just decided, well, he brought up the idea after doing a podcast interview that we should start a podcast ourselves. So I was interested in doing this, but I wanted it to be something, well, we both wanted it to be something a little bit different from all the other kind of music podcasts that are out there, which there's a lot of music marketing, music business podcasts, and, and I enjoy them. I listen to a lot of podcasts. But we wanted to do something that combined that, but also had a, an entertainment kind of element. So it's a little bit more like a talk show that you would have on TV, because um, we do a video and an audio version. So our focus is mostly on kind of the funny and entertaining stories and things that can happen as a musician or a creative person. So we've recorded about, we've recorded 20 episodes so far, and we've released five at the time of recording this podcast. And yeah, it would be great if you wanted to check it out and subscribe and, you know, all that stuff. It's called Bridge the Atlantic and you can find us at bridge-atlantic.com um, and we're on social media, we're, we're everywhere. Yeah, that's nice. I, since I just learned about it myself, I can't comment on it just yet, but I'm going to subscribe for sure and it sounds interesting. Well, we all need a little bit of entertainment in the educational field as well because... Uh, There is a lot of information to take in, but sometimes it just, we just need some stories. And I think, like, if I got you right, it uh, can still be very, well, very useful, because uh, a musician can learn from funny stories of what happens with other musicians in a more entertaining way. So is there some educational element still to these episodes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things that we ask every guest is what kind of advice they would give to someone who wants to get to the kind of position that they're in. So everyone's on some kind of journey and, and everyone's, there's always going to be people that are maybe sort of just behind you and people that are just ahead of you in terms of where you are in your career. So everyone can learn from everyone, I think. So yeah, we always ask them what kind of advice they would offer. And if they've done particularly well in one area, like crowdfunding, for example, Then we'll ask them, you know, what do you think made your campaign work and how could other people implement the kind of things that you've done that would help them? So, so yeah, there is definitely an educational and advice kind of element there because we felt that that was important yeah, because there's yeah. so, always so many questions. You know, I get asked questions all the time and I can't always answer them because I've not done the things that people are asking. So I think it's useful to hear from the people that are actually doing it. Um, what's worked and what hasn't worked for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a very cool idea. I love it. So definitely worth checking out. I'm going to listen to you myself. So this is cool. I'm, of course, linking to it in the show notes as well. And now, if you don't mind, can we talk about websites a little bit? Yes, of course. One question that I have to ask, which, I mean, I hate the fact that I have to do this, but... I just want and need to hear from you a couple of words on why a website is important for a musician in the first place. And let me comment here, because I still get these questions all the time, although I've yeah. been talking about this for years and years, but 
Well, the market is changing, the requirements even for websites are changing. I have an answer for this question myself, which I'm not going to name now. And uh, like I've noticed that uh, the current Wispin users, who are mainly electronic music producers and DJs, they ask this question much more often than uh, the bands, for example, who we've been working with as an agency. And uh, I think it's a good idea to refresh this topic and uh, get your perspective on the importance of a website. Sure. Yeah, I think with social media, I think a lot of people think a website is not necessary anymore because a lot of people feel that you can use Facebook or Twitter or whatever platform you're using instead. And I think that's wrong. A website, to me, shows that you're dedicated and committed to what you're doing. And it looks more professional to send someone to your domain rather than your Facebook page. And I feel as well, a website can express who you are as an artist a lot more than any social platform. Because, you know, with uh, with Facebook, for example, you're very limited in terms of what customization you can do. Yeah, you can change your cover picture and your profile picture, but the overall design looks the same as everyone else. So I think a website, you know, allows you to show who you are more accurately And also it's a place where everything should be. So everything should lead to your website. There should be, it should act as like the central kind of hub of what you're doing online. That's a great point indeed. Also, I think is important is that a website shouldn't be just uh, your like business cards or a way to consume some static information about you as an artist, but it's also should serve some purpose of uh, converting like Uh, random uh, visitors into uh, listeners and fans and so on and i can assume that you pay quite a bit of attention to different call to actions and different functionality so how should an artist approach a website design and functionality at the current stage of their career should the website be updated in terms of layout when there is a it's all happening or a new album out or something else is happening or should it be a more static place if it makes sense yeah no yeah i understand i think varies a little bit from artist to artist i think it suits some artists more to adapt the design if they've got a new album out for example especially the album's got very strong kind of imagery that's different from maybe what the design was previously i think it's always important to put whatever's new at the forefront so it should always be the most kind of visible thing Um, so if you've got a new album out, obviously you want to promote that. You want to have that right there when someone lands on the page so that they can, you know, they can go and hear it. They can go and buy it. They can sign up to your mailing list, whatever it is you're aiming to push at that particular time. But I don't know if the design itself needs to change completely when you've got a new release out, but it would be good for it to reflect the fact that you do have something current, especially if it's quite different from what you've had out before. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I agree that uh, doing a totally new design may be an overkill when you just have a new single out. And I rather meant the layout and highlighting some of the recent events, what you just mentioned. So that's cool. What platform do you use for website development? I'm a big fan of WordPress, but I don't use existing WordPress themes or templates. I design everything completely from scratch. So every website is totally custom. And the reason that I do that is because I feel every artist is individual and I think that their website should be, you know, it should also be individual and it should be a reflection of of who they are as an artist. And I don't think that you can really get that by using existing templates. So that's why I do everything completely from scratch. That's cool and uh, interesting. Uh, So you don't even use some uh, existing frameworks? No. 
Excellent. Yeah, so definitely as someone who's been involved in the development of some WordPress websites, not as a designer, as developer or a developer, but rather a manager, project manager, I definitely can appreciate that fact. That's cool. And uh, yeah, so while we are on that, maybe you can mention some interesting discoveries, some plugins that anyone can access, maybe free or just affordable. So if there is someone who has a website, an artist website on WordPress, they're not going to invest in a developer and designer, which is definitely a good idea. But right now, because maybe they don't have the finances for that. So maybe you've discovered recently a cool new plugin that is applicable for musicians specifically. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of my big favorites, it's not really a recent discovery, but it's one that I've used a lot for many artists. Um, It's called Bands in Town. And basically you install Bands in Town on your Facebook page and you then add your shows through there. And with the plugin, it syncs automatically with the shows you've added via Facebook. And you can customize the way it looks, which is why I really like it. I love the way you can customize it. People can, you know, reply to your events directly on your website as well. And then that updates in your news feed to show that, you know, you're attending the event. So it works in so many different ways. It's kind of, it can give you a little bit of free promotion if people are RSVPing via the website. And it just means you don't have to update your shows in more than one place. You can update them on Facebook and there they are on your website. So that's definitely one of my big favorites. Think of any others I really, really like. Yeah, yeah, the, the, about Bets and Down, it's interesting. I changed my perception or my opinion about the platform. After we interviewed Julian uh, Mittelbeck, if I'm not mistaken, the founder of Benson Town at recent ADE events, and I got really hooked with uh, his approach to the business and to all the recent features. So usually we've been using Songkick mainly, but Benson Town seems to be working really well and with the latest updates, especially. So this is a cool tip. Yeah, anything else? There's definitely lots of other ones. I'm just trying to think which ones are. Um, I know it can be a tricky relevant. question and it may be difficult to <laughs> name something. Just trying to think of one specifically for music. Um, that I'm trying to think of one that people can use themselves rather than one that a yeah, designer yeah, would necessarily yeah, yeah. need to use. Because quite a lot of the ones that, that I use tend to be ones that I would need to do some adjustment for. I'm just trying to think of any that I've done recently that have used something cool. Well, I mean, one other plugin that I really like is a store plugin and it's called MarketPress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe a little bit more advanced, so it's likely that you probably would need a designer or a developer to help with the customization. I mean, it does work out of the box, so you don't need to do any customization really, but in order to get to, you know, to look really good with your design or your theme, you may need some further customization, but it's um, it's one that I really like. I'm not 100% sure on the cost. I think it's $19 per month or might not be. Actually, let me let me check. <laughs> I just give you some wrong. Well, you, usually store solutions like e-commerce solutions. They have subscriptions based business models, basically. So either thought there's uh, definitely a cost. Um, yeah, associated with this one. Let's just link to these in the show notes as well, so people can check it out themselves. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but in any case, it's a good advice because there is a lot of options out there and. It's uh, oftentimes difficult to recommend a single solution because everyone prefers something. Uh, Definitely, especially with yeah. store plugins, I think, because I've yeah. tried quite a lot of different store plugins over the last few years. And um, and MarketPress is the one that's kind of jumped out at me that kind of does everything um, while being relatively easy to use. I've used some other ones that have been quite complicated and, and they've taken you know weeks for me to... Yeah. I kind of get my head around, whereas MarketPress didn't take anywhere near as long. I've just found the price. It's $40, um, which includes 12 months support. 
Cool. Um, and you pay a little bit extra if you want the ongoing support, but generally yeah. you're probably not yeah. going to need that once it's been set up. Yeah, this is a good tip indeed. And so, yeah, basically it's good to know what you use because uh, someone out there listening to the show may want to at least check it out. Even in terms of different platforms for websites, it can be somewhat complicated to pick something that works best uh, best for you. I'm, I've always been a fan of WordPress. We've been using Squarespace quite a lot lately because it's kind of easy to set up. But yeah, WordPress is definitely a great solution. Well, right now, like, let's keep it more on the less technical and uh, talk about some uh, other things that's important for website building and uh, important to know for artists. Can you name some of the trends, maybe, of the latest uh, year or few years? Uh, what a website should have? Something like responsive design, and it's a good idea to clarify what responsive design is or some other features. So how a website should, uh, well, it should look like, but what features should a website have? Yeah, definitely. Well, you mentioned responsive design, and that's absolutely something that you should be definitely thinking about if you haven't already. Um Full disclosure, I'm pretty new to responsive design. I'm doing it for most of my recent clients now because I know it's really important to have. So, But what's that? Uh, yeah, for- so responsive design is really just adapting your website so that it looks good and works on different devices. So obviously the smartphones and, and tablets would be the main thing. I'm sure everyone's been to a website on their phone where they've had to sort of pinch and zoom, um, which can sometimes break the design and things kind of move all over the place, which they shouldn't do. Really, it should be easy to use on a phone. So often that means that the design has to be adapted specifically on the phone. So it shouldn't really impact how it looks on a desktop or a laptop computer, but definitely on on a phone or a tablet, it will have a different layout designed to be easier to use on that particular size of device. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty new to responsive. I mean, I, personally, I don't really like responsive design. I don't really like using websites on my phone. But that's just mm-hmm. my personal feeling. And I know that obviously so many people bear that in mind and, and cater for that because you don't want to be turning away people because your website doesn't look good on a phone. And another kind of trend, I wouldn't say I'm a particularly big fan of this, but it seems to work, are those pop-ups. So not like the traditional pop-ups that you used to get all over the place. But, you know, when you go on a website and there's like a light box kind of pop-up, um, which is trying to get you people to maybe sign up to the mailing list or something in exchange for a free download. That's something that I've been asked to do quite a lot recently. And when I was doing some research on it, it apparently can increase your mailing list signups by around 300%. Yeah. So while I'm personally not the biggest fan of um, of that kind of approach, I can definitely see the value in it. And I don't think that's a trend that's going to go away anytime soon. I'm yeah. kind of seeing it more and more. And I guess I'm kind of accepting it a bit more and then considering implementing my it's, site. It's in your hands to make it look good and uh, make it functional. Right. So if it's done right, and if it's uh, very easy to act with this uh, pop-up, like close it or provide an email address, I don't think it's bad. I fully understand and, and, and feel what you are saying, that you are not a big fan of this, but it works very well. And uh, if when done right, I think it's great. But unfortunately, there are cases where some uh, pre-made templates that look terrible used yeah. on artist websites, like something that is done for, that maybe will work for a real estate agents, maybe, mm-hmm. but not for a brand one. So yeah, it's just important to handle it appropriately. But yeah, cool, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm warming to it. I don't dislike it as much as I used to. I think when it's done well and it's not like overly intrusive, then I'm okay with it. And as long yeah. as it only comes up once, I don't want to see it every time I go to a different page. If it comes up once, you know, when I first arrive or when I'm leaving, that's okay. But if it comes up on every single page of your website, I'm going to leave and I'm probably not going to come back. And, and uh, what do you think about squeeze pages? Something that appears before a website is loaded. So if like there is a new album, for example, I see mm-hmm. a big ad for the new album before the actual website loads. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. I think it can be a really good way of drawing attention to, you know, a new release or something important that you want to advertise. So, uh, yeah, I'm fine with them as long as there's an easy way to get to the main content. I've seen squeeze pages before where, you know, the link is so small or it's hidden somewhere that you can't find a way to the main website. And really, when people are going to your website, you know, they're going because they want to find something specific, whether it's your bio or to buy something you know, they want to be able to find that. So I'm fine with the squeeze page as long as there's an easy way for people to get to your website. Um, I know some people use it as a way of getting an email address mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I think it's important that you do give them a way to get to the website that doesn't involve them giving their email address because not everyone's going to want to do that. Most mm-hmm. people will. I think you would genuinely find that most people will, but definitely important to give them the option. They don't want to feel that they're forced into giving you an email address So just so they can get into your website, chances are they'll unsubscribe. Yeah, yeah, that's a good tip. Something else I've noticed that if an artist or pretty much anyone who is not a designer is given a chance to set up a website, they intuitively put lots of different widgets oftentimes on the homepage. And especially from social networks, there is a Twitter feed, a Facebook feed, a SoundCloud and MixCloud. I've seen several times how artists put free players on the homepage, like from Spotify, from SoundCloud, from something else. So can you give some advice on uh, keeping it more focused, maybe? Yeah, I mean, less is more um, a lot of the time with design. And yeah, you're right. That's something that I see all the time is people that have designed the website themselves go a little bit crazy with the widgets and plugins. They kind of just, it's almost like they don't want to miss anything. So they add everything. And I think that hurts it, you know, more than it helps. So at the same time, I can totally understand why they do it. So really, I would say the important ones to have would be whichever networks you're most active on. So try and limit it to two or three if you're going to include any social feeds. And my suggestion would probably be Twitter, because that would probably be your most frequent updates. Instagram, because it's something visual. And Facebook. But I probably wouldn't have a Facebook feed. I would probably just have the Facebook like box so that people can like your page directly there but they're not seeing, you know, the news feed or whatever, because you're probably going to have a news section on your website, or it's probably going to be much the same as what's going on your Twitter anyway. So you don't want to have the same information two or three times on the same page. That's not going to help anyone. And it just yeah. overcrowds everything. So yeah, less is more is my general advice for that. And what about music? Should I stream it through a plugin that I install on the WordPress website, through SoundCloud, through uh, Deezer, Spotify? What player do you prefer to use? Does it depend on the artist? Yeah, I would say it does depend on the artist. I mean, generally speaking, I like SoundCloud. And one of the main reasons I like SoundCloud is because the audio is hosted elsewhere, it's not going to impact on your bandwidth. SoundCloud's normally pretty fast to stream, so there's no hanging around waiting for the tracks to start. Plus, you know, it increases your play count on SoundCloud, so that's always good. But if you want something that's more sort of visually, something that fits more within the design then you may want to go with another plugin that can be customized so that it looks like it's actually part of the design rather than a SoundCloud player that's just been added. 
But again, that's going to vary depending on your music, what the design looks like, and you know what is right for you as an artist. So SoundCloud is a great option, but I've lately, for a lot of artists, I've been going down a, the integrated kind of route using, I think it's the Compact Audio Player plugin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of audio playback when someone lands on the web page and there is an audio that plays automatically? No, <laughs> there's no big no. It's something that really drives me crazy. I actually went on someone's website today, an established artist website. I can't remember who, because there was about five that I went on at the same time. And they had music playing. And um, I just instantly closed the website because I was already listening to music. So it's almost like the way that I feel about music playing, um, you know, when you land on a website, is it's kind of invading my space a little yeah. bit. Because it's interrupting me from whatever I was doing before. So I always say, no, don't have it playing by itself. Give people the option. Um, yeah. I mean, chances are, if someone's going to your website to find out more about you, if they've not already heard you, then they're probably going to listen to the music. Whereas if they have heard you, they don't need to have your music blasting in their ears as soon as they land. So you just mentioned something. I think it explains how people behave on the internet. If you, as someone who has a website, understands how people use the internet and what they want, then it's much easier to make the right decision with such things. So we want to have full control over what is happening. We may be pushed somehow psychologically to press the thread button through design elements, but it will be our decision. At least we will feel that it's our decision. When we are forced to listen to something, then it's just not how uh, we're used to using the internet because we can control pretty much everything. I think it's just important that you as someone who is a publisher in this case, artist is a publisher online, like having a website, it's important to always give uh, this option choice and uh, control to the visitor, something that you just mentioned. So yeah, I fully agree on this one. Any other tips or ideas or recommendations? Maybe, for example, on the use of fonts and colors, because right now with all the cool uh, technical uh, solutions, it's possible to do pretty much anything with uh, animations, with visuals, with different typefaces on the websites. And uh, it's easy to get it messy mm-hmm. if you're not a designer. So maybe you can even want to mention some specific advice, like how many fonts to use or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, again, less is more. And I think sometimes when an artist maybe designs a website themselves and they've not done it before, they can maybe go a little bit crazy with experimenting with too many different fonts. Generally, I would say two or three fonts would be the most. And if you can get a bit of contrast between them, then that's even better. So for example, your headings might have kind of a bold font and the main text might be a really thin font. So they contrast each other and and complement each other at the same time. There is actually a really cool Chrome plugin that you can use. And I just discovered this a while ago. And every time you open a new tab, it generates like a color palette and different font suggestions. And it's called Palette Tab. Um, I guess we can put a link to it in the show notes, but it's really cool, especially if you're thinking about launching a website or redesigning it and you're not quite sure what sort of color scheme you want um, you can open up the palette tab refresh it and see and get some ideas um, for sort of colors and fonts that work really well together and I'm probably actually going to be using that for the next few websites that I design um, for some inspiration 
Uh, sorry, I'm just installing this plugin. <laughs> no, it's really cool. Um, it's just that every time you open a new tab, it generates a new one, and then you can it links you to the page on their website, which has you know the full information about that particular color scheme and fonts. And I've been bookmarking lots of them. I've seen so many, and I was like, oh, I never thought about using those colors together, or I've never seen that font before. So yeah, it's been really good, and it just gives me new ideas every single time I open a tab, which is really useful. That's really cool. Yeah, nice. And not being a designer myself, but just having some a little bit of sense of uh, some style. I don't know, but uh, having some real issues with picking the right font colors. If I have to do anything like that. Yeah, so that was uh, a really good one as well. Anything else that comes to your mind in terms of some tips and advices? Well, we are <laughs> we are leading this conversation as in a way that a musician listening to this podcast may realize, like, come on, I really need to hire a designer. <laughs> But <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, well, I think that it's important to have basic understandings of graphic and web design and have some sense of what is going on online. Like if you use different websites and read news on trendy blogs and websites with great design, you have some basic understanding of what is good and what is not. I think it's important even when you hire a designer. Because yeah, I mean, may, I, think, yeah. I think it kind of applies to the music industry in general. I think it's important for an artist to have a general understanding of all kind of aspects of their business. So I mean, if they're hiring an accountant, for example, I think that they should still have a general understanding of how their finances work. But obviously, they don't need to be as in-depth or working on it constantly. And same with if you're hiring a designer, it's, it's useful to know kind of the things that you like and the things that you want and maybe how to explain that to a designer. I mean, I mean, it's part of our job to kind of figure out what you mean and what you need, but it can be really helpful for everyone, you know, if you can articulate it in a way that you know that's easy for us to understand so we don't have to spend lots of time interpreting what you mean so yeah doing a little bit of research and understanding the basics would be a good place to be excellent excellent I really like this advice and um, it's true that musicians have to have an understanding about pretty much everything that is related to their project to their business to their brand So, yeah, I really like this tip. So, will you have any general recommendations or comments on what's going on with online marketing right now? And there is just, I mean, there is too many topics to discuss and to fit in one podcast, but maybe you can pick just one theme, one topic that bothered you a lot lately, maybe about a particular social network or maybe about the well the windowing theme with the recent taylor swift story and something like that so something related to the business is there just one thing not related to websites and design but related to marketing and music business somehow that you wanted to comment on yeah i mean one thing that i would say because i get asked quite a lot about online marketing and that kind of thing i guess just the music industry in general I would say one thing that I think all artists should think about is there's no right or wrong way to do things. Because what works for one artist may not work for another. And I think too many artists get caught up in, well, this person did this, so this must be what I need to do. Where, you know, they may be in a completely different genre, they may have a completely different fan base who are interested in, you know, different things than the other artists, for example. So I think it's important to try different things. And it will be a trial and error kind of process um, in all kind of aspects. I think people are 
told a lot of the time about social media um, that they should be everywhere. And I don't think that's totally true. I think it's important probably to have a presence everywhere, but to focus on the platforms that make sense to you as an artist and where your fans are going to be or where you know that they are. But I think, again, that all comes back to there's no one-size-fits-all solution. Everyone's different. Excellent. Yeah. Well, brilliant. Once again, I'm linking to all your profiles, and uh, I'm pretty sure that everyone who is following you on Twitter and on other social networks may learn a lot from you, from what you share and what you talk about. We are wrapping it up. I really appreciate all your insights. There was a lot uh, in it, and I highly encourage everyone to check out your projects and your new podcast, which I'm going to listen to as well. So highly appreciate this, and hope to have you again on this show sometime. And thank you a lot, Ross. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We spin